Well, welcome back to Living and Learning. I'm Reba McIntyre, and I'm really looking forward to this holiday season. What I love about Christmas is everybody getting together, everybody slowing down a little bit. It's been a real busy year. And even though we've had a lot of rough times with COVID, we still have so much to be thankful for. I've been in the holiday mood for a while now, ever since we shot my new Lifetime holiday movie called Christmas in Tune, which premieres on November the 26th, right after Thanksgiving. So it'll just catapult you right into the Christmas spirit. Today's going to be extra fun and festive on the show because my Christmas in Tune co-star Norm Lewis is here. Welcome to the show, Norm. Now, Norm is an accomplished Broadway star. He made history in 2014 as the first African-American Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. He was nominated for a Tony for his role in Porgy and Bess, and he's also performed in Sondheim on Sondheim, The Little Mermaid, La Miserable, Chicago, Amour, The Wild Party, Sideshow, Miss Saigon, and The Who's Tommy. Good lands, I'm tired just reading that one. What a talented man. His TV and film credits include Spike Lee's The Five Bloods, Hulu's Mrs. America, the NBC television special Jesus Christ Superstar Live in Concert, Pose, Scandal, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Bull, Chicago Med, and lots more. My gosh, he's a busy guy. He's also a wonderful singer, and check out the Norm Lewis Christmas album. It's a lot of fun. And on top of all of his accomplishments, he's a delightful co-star. I'm excited to be back with you, Norm. Thanks for joining me today on Living and Learning. Are you kidding? You're Reba McIntyre. Come on. (laughs) You are Reba McIntyre. Wow, I'm honored. We've seen each other more this year than a lot of people get to see their buddies on a regular basis. Truly, truly, truly. Yeah. And we got to meet doing the Christmas movie for Lifetime or Reacquainted. That was a fun, fun thing to get to do. A Christmas movie in June, May and June, sweating up a storm, hot, but we got (laughs) through it. Did you enjoy the process? I loved it. And, you know, it was so interesting because like you said, we were pretending it was cold and, you know, outside and everything. And, but we had that sort of joyous atmosphere anyway, within the group and the cast and uh, such a great, you know, ensemble of people. Also the crew was fantastic and everybody just got along. You know? Yeah. Everybody tune in to watch Norm, John, me, and a cast of others. Christmas in tune, lifetime, the night after Thanksgiving. Shivering when we're sweating. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this is not your first Christmas movie to do, is it? Wait a minute. Is it? I'm not sure. That's a great question. I'm not sure. Um, I think I've done some movies that had Christmas in it, but it wasn't necessarily specifically Christmas. Yeah. The theme of it. So actually, that was that's a great question, Reba McIntyre. You're a great host. <laughs> <laughs> Get the memory working there. I know, right? Truly. But what was so fun about this, you know, for me... Anytime you do some sort of project, no matter if it's on stage or film or TV, it always helps when the lead has a great attitude and you set the tone on that set. Oh, well, everybody just felt comfortable. You know, I'm not just giving you a compliment. I'm just telling the truth. Well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. 
I thought it was really cute that because we're both in the music business as showbiz, that you play my musical director. And we were on stage together. I mean, it wasn't as big as my desk right here that we fit in to perform. Uh, But it was fun. One of my favorite scenes in the whole movie was when you and I and uh, my daughter, Belle, were in the recording studio. I I totally enjoyed that. And then when John and I got to sing and argue about whose part was what. But it was just, (laughs) it it was fun to be back in the studio Mm -hmm. and I, I also it was air conditioned, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that definitely, definitely. What was one of your favorite scenes? Well, basically, just like you said, the studio, that place by itself was it felt so inviting. That studio uh, in this barn type ranch style, you know, it was all this beautiful wood, this beautiful equipment, and I felt like I actually was your musical director and engineer. Uh-huh. And so just to kind of have that power, you know, it felt really, really good. So the entire movie's great, but definitely that sticks out. Just that whole time that we spent on that compound. Yeah. yeah. I, I really was proud of the uh, location person for finding mm-hmm. places that were interesting to us, like at Dark Horse Studios and right. downtown by the cannery. And I had recorded there. And then when they said we're going to shoot some of the movie there, I was thrilled because I'd had such a great experience there. Yeah. And even, you know, we were walking and pretending we were cold, even though it was like so hot. But uh-huh. even during the scenes where we were walking and we were singing with the choir and, and oh. everything, it, it just felt, it, yeah, it, that whole, uh, we were there for such a, a, a great amount of time and it just, it just felt like home. It really yeah. did. I want to I go back. I felt bad leaving. I want to oh, go back. <laughs> wonderful. Well, you'll have to come back to Tennessee and see us again. Absolutely. Right, perfect. Well, I know you've been a performer for a while. What first sparked your interest of being a performer? You know, it's interesting because I started out singing uh, in the church. So I, my grandfather was a preacher. My dad was the chairman of the deacon board. So uh, I lived in church. You know, I was there most of the week. Uh, and I just remember being a rite of passage that I did church activities. So at age nine, when I gave my life to Christ, I, you know, I stood up and said, I give my life to Christ. It was one of those things where you just joined the church. You did the activities. I joined the choir. We didn't necessarily have a great choir, but it was just Mm -hmm. something that I did that my friends did. Yeah. I never got accolades for my voice just because we were just all making a joyful noise until later on in high school. And someone said, Oh, you have a nice voice. I joined the choir in, in school as well. And someone said, you have a nice voice. So it just kind of kept cultivating from that. I think that's when I first got the bug. I listened to The Wiz, the the album, and I said, wow, this is so cool. I never really got a chance to see a show until later on, you know, uh, live. I've seen movies, uh, The Wizard of Oz and, you know, Oklahoma and all those great movie musicals, but never thought of myself being on that stage or doing that genre. I went to school to be a businessman. I majored in business in college and worked in advertising for like five years. And then all of a sudden, uh, someone saw me sing at a bar just for fun. And they offered me a job on a cruise ship. And that's how I got into this world. Wow. That's great. I see, I, I would have thought you came out of the womb singing. And, and everybody was like, he's a star right here. Because your voice is so, it's not what I'd say commanding. It is 
approachable. It's uh-huh. it's endearing. We went over to TPAC, Rex and I did with Nathan and Justin, and we watched your performance at TPAC. And you're such a performer. You have the audience right there in your hand. And when we left, I asked uh, Justin, I said, how long was his show? And was it an <laughs> hour and a half? It was an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. like 15 minutes. It just oh, flew wow. by. Uh, Greatest compliment I can give you. Thank you very much. Other than how good you were. And we totally enjoyed it. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Oh, it's our pleasure. So, Norm, I grew up in southeastern Oklahoma. Uh huh. My grandparents were the one that took us to church all the time. And it was holiness and Pentecostal. So we had a little bitty one room church house that in the back was the Sunday school, in the front was the adult Sunday school, and then everybody got together for church. And yep. we did we had a piano, but nobody could play. So <laughs> we had one lady, Miss McGee, she would do a chord and uh-huh. she kind of thought that's where the hymnal said, that's where we're going to play. And it would go, hum, uh-huh, when uh-huh. the trumpets of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. And that's the way we went to singing. And I gave my life to the Lord when I was 12 years old at the Baptist uh-huh. Church in Kiowa. And Kiowa. so, okay. yeah, so I totally understand what you're talking about. And I love to sing. We didn't have a, a big choir either, just get up mm-hmm. there and sing. So it, it was my first grade Christmas program in Kiowa, Oklahoma, where I went to school. So they said, who wants to sing a special at the Christmas program? And I raised my hand. And that's the first time I was ever behind a microphone. Oh, wow. Wow. So thank church, God for that. Yeah. yeah. Thank God for churches and let's get in there and sing. Yeah, truly, truly. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Lord, for uh, giving us Reba McIntyre. <laughs> oh, and Norm Lewis. Was there any roles that you felt like you were just born to play? I've been able to play a lot of roles now over the years that I've dreamt about or seen on stage. And uh, the one that I would say that's left for me, I did play it, but very briefly for like 10 days, is The Music Man. Uh-huh. And uh, and now that Hugh Jackman guy is doing it on Broadway. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I can't wait to see him do it because he's amazing. Like he's... Yeah. I love that man so much. He's a, such a, a wonderful performer, a, such a nice guy. And that's, that's another thing that we can get into. It's about reputation, not only your talent, but uh, yeah, maybe when he leaves, they might, you know, if they want to extend it, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> you, you've put it out there in the universe. You never know exactly. what's going to happen. That's what I love. I, that's the pandemic. I guess that's one of the things that hurt my heart more than anything is yeah. not being able to go to New York to see Broadway plays. Yeah. And right now you're in Chicken and Biscuits, right? Chicken and Biscuits, baby. Chicken yes. and Biscuits. <laughs> so I can't wait to come up and see that. So yeah, yeah, it's two awesome. plays I got to come see. Absolutely. Excellent. Are you having fun? Have you already started it? Yeah, we opened last week. And the thing about it is that it's it's one of those shows that it's a play. Uh-huh. It, you think it's one thing, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, it's not that. Oh, fun. I, I don't read reviews. I try to stay away from that kind of stuff. I let people do that on their own. But I know that someone mentioned to me that it was, what's the word I'm looking for? They 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 had a preconceived notion of it from previous other works, like a Tyler Perry musical or Tyler Perry show. And it's not that. I mean, it has essence of that. It has the uh, archetypes and, and stereotypes of our culture. But I would maybe attribute it to like a Neil Simon play. It's about family and we deal with real issues and real problems, but it's shrouded in comedy 
people are loving it. People are really, really loving it. And they relate to it no matter what culture they're from, what religion they're from. They're people, the people really, really love it. Good. I can't wait mm-hmm. to see it. Do you yeah. have any rituals you do before you go on stage? Well, being that this is a play, I, I used to warm up uh, like mm-hmm. vocally for a musical. I still actually do that because uh, I need to kind of get my voice out, you know, open and all that stuff. And there's a little bit, I'm a preacher in the, in the show. So <laughs> I don't necessarily sing, but if you know what preachers do in order to grab an audience, I'm doing that. And so I kind of need to get my voice in shape. But other than that, I just, you know, say my little mantra, say my little prayer, Lord, just help me make it, uh, you know, tell the story and yeah. give this audience whatever it needs. That's wonderful. Yeah. My ritual before I step on the stage is I ask the Holy Spirit to walk for me, talk for me, think for me, speak for me, and sing for me. Oh, see? Oh, I got to write that down. I just get out there and I just walk around. The Holy Spirit's taking over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you know what? And, and uh, as you know, uh, you know, we both feel that we both have a great uh, uh, relationship with our, our higher power. It is a gift and it is the reason why we do this is because it's, uh, we are vessels in order to touch people. And, and so as it is given, it can also be taken away. So you have to respect it, you know? Absolutely. Well, tell me about Black Theater United. Black Theater United started last year, you know, after all of this stuff that happened, We've been having difficulties with, you know, obviously in our society with with racial issues and it just hit home. I think it just hit everybody because of the pandemic. People were able to actually understand and see it and watch it from not just the news, but in social media. It was live. It was in your face. Somehow we we correlated it to the this industry and Audra McDonald and LaChance got together, called each other and talked for hours about what can we do now in order to have the inequities changed in our industry. So they they called their friends. I'm being part of that. And we just decided we had a, a, like a couple of Zooms and we decided to make this coalition and uh, say, we as the older you know group <laughs> in, this, in this industry, People want to hear from us. I know a lot of young people reached out to me. A lot of young people reached out to our other colleagues in the in the uh, organization saying, what can you do? Because you do have a voice. You do have clout in this industry. So we decided to put uh, a group together and become a 501c3 and uh, try to make change. So uh, we had a summit recently where we put together theater owners, producers, uh, union members, and say, let's come together, have a conversation, and let's make some sort of document and agreement to make things better. Good. It's the beginning of this. It's the beginning of a conversation. It's a marathon, not a race. Very important. Yeah. You know, that's the greatest thing. People will set back, and I've been guilty of this. You set back thinking, oh, man, I got a great idea. Mm-hmm. I could help out like that. And then you right. think, oh, well, nobody will listen to me. That's a dumb idea. But it's it's a great, courageous thing to put that out in the universe, right. speak your mind, and then it might trigger a thought on somebody else. Then it's a teamwork, which right. is really, really special. So I, I applaud y'all what you're doing. Thank you. And and the one thing that we are you know happy about is that you know we're having conversations with people who are across the board. Uh, you know, we might have different ideologies, but 
this cancel culture thing is just, I, we have to kind of get rid of that. I totally agree. We have to have a conversation. Let's cancel that. Yeah, let's cancel that. You know, it's <laughs> it's one of those things where we're not talking to each other. We're talking at each other. And mm-hmm. we need to change that. Of course, um, there might be things I, I don't agree with, but let's maybe have some sort of common ground. What can we, we all are the same, no matter what happens. All these other things are not real. They really aren't real. So at least have a conversation. Yeah. One of the podcasts we did last year was on cancel culture. I didn't even know what it was. Right. And then I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world, because if you have cancel culture, somebody says, nope, you're wrong, you're out. Right. Well, can we just talk about what that other person is talking about? I might learn something there. He might learn something from me. We may walk away agreeing to disagree, but at least we've learned something. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I've found, you know, some college friends of mine who, uh, who we've been friends a long, long time, but I found out recently that they've had different ideas about certain things. And I go, oh, okay, well, let's talk about it. You know, let's, Mm -hmm. let's, but I I mean, I'm not canceling them out. So exactly. I think that's the uh, easy way out is to cancel. Right. Yeah. So going back to uh, Broadway and being on stage, has there ever been a time where you messed up, you fell down, you forgot your lines, something? You got a funny story on that? Okay. Yes. (laughs) How much time do you have? (laughs) All of them. Yes. I will tell you that one of the funniest things that ever happened to me was I was doing the show, The Little Mermaid on Broadway, and I got to play. I was honored to play the uh, the king. I was the father, King Triton. And I had just yelled at Ariel, my daughter, and I said, go to your room. Right. And she storms off. Well, you know, being that it's a Disney show, there's a lot of children that are in the audience. And there was this kid just out of the blue. I've been doing the show maybe a year. And this kid yelled out after I yelled and said, I hate you. And I stopped and I looked at the audience and I couldn't think of my next line. Uh And I've been doing it a year. Couldn't think of my next line. The young man that was playing Sebastian the Crab was an understudy. So he couldn't help me. So I looked at him and I said, I don't know what to say. And he said, (laughs) neither do I, sire. So we both kind of just folded our arms and we started walking around. I said, this is really tripping me up. I don't understand. <laughs> and I seriously could, I was making words up. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he said, I have it. And I said, what, what is it? You know, thinking that he had the, you know, the answer. He's like, no, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said something that actually triggered the rhythm. Cause you get into a rhythm, you know, yeah. after doing the show eight times a week. And we lost that rhythm because that kid said, I hate you. Uh-huh. Uh, finally, he said something that triggered like where we could be and where we could end it. Yeah. And we walked off laughing for one. And for number two, there were some people that were ready to go on for the next scene. They said, oh, my God, I've never seen that scene like that. And they didn't know we messed up, but because it just fit. It, it, it was literally like, I don't understand what to say. I don't know <laughs> what to say. My do- you know, so. <laughs> That happened to me and Annie Get Your Gun. We were on stage and it was during the first act. And I was trying to sell my pigeons to the store owner. Uh And he said something and I said (laughs) something that was not in the script, which triggered his next line. And he looked at me and I just said, well, do you? 
And he kind of, he kind of jolted him a little bit. He kind of went on with this, with the script. Thank God he remembered what he was supposed to say. Oh, true it's, professional. It, it really is one of those things. You know, people think that uh, this is easy. You know, that we yeah. do this eight times a week. It's the same old thing. But it's it's def- definitely difficult because you want to be on your game every night to tell that story to different audiences. So yeah, yeah. One night, John Shuck and Larry Storch were on stage playing uh-huh. Buffalo Bill and Papa Bull. And I was stage right waiting to come on. Well, I, um, you know, it was third or fourth month in, and right. I was already trying to think what I was going to do the next day. And <laughs> silence. And when you hear silence in the theater, it's kind of a scary thing. And oh. I looked up and John was looking right at me like, now's your time to get your butt on the stage. And I shot out there. And we laughed about it later. But boy. That was a little tense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets like that. It gets like that. What's your favorite Broadway play to go see? I have a few of them. I would say uh, Dreamgirls is definitely, you know, up there. That was my first. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a show called Once on this Island uh, that Lynn Ahrens and Steve Flaherty wrote uh, that is such a jewel. It's a one-act show that is based on The Little Mermaid, but it is, you know, it's an island show and it has a, a lot of island music and it's so beautiful. I've done it twice now, uh, 20 something oh. years ago on the national tour. And then I got to play it on Broadway again, literally just two years ago, which was fantastic. Um, also, the show Ragtime uh, will, I think, will go down as one of our classics as well. Yeah, great. One of my first shows that I ever did, I wasn't a lead, but I got a chance to do a featured, you know, sort of quartet thing was My Fair Lady. I think My Fair Lady is so perfectly written as a musical and a play, you know, so I love that. I love that. I think my favorite play that I've ever seen, musical or play, I've seen it five times, was Jersey Boys. Oh, yes. Yeah. Dream Girls was my first. Yeah. Um, I loved Annie Get Your Gun. And, yes. and when I was sitting in the audience with Bernadette Peters playing it uh, at intermission, one of my friends calls it halftime at intermission. <laughs> I, I said to my uh, manager husband at the time, I said, I've got to be on the stage. Right. And it was a dream come true to finally become Annie Oakley because she, yeah. she was my hero from time I was a little bitty girl. Well, I've heard that uh, I didn't. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see you do it but i've heard that you were you were born to play that role oh thanks we had a fun time yeah it was a blast so i know it's not quite christmas time here but because we did the christmas movie together and i gotta ask you what's your holiday rituals well you know it's funny i grew up uh in a small town uh right outside of orlando florida and when i was younger my dad would put the decorations up and we had the tree and the da 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 uh and so since that time i've become more of like i have to have christmas around me i have to put decorations up i have to you know play the christmas music and uh just have that spirit. It's my favorite time of year because that's when everybody seems to get along. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you don't like each other, there's something about that time of year that everybody gets along for at least a, a couple of weeks, you know, and uh, there's joy in the world. So uh, I, I try to do is I, I definitely put the Christmas music on after Thanksgiving. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw the other day in a catalog, these record players that you can buy and they've got uh, a CD player with it and a cassette player. 
Yeah. So yeah. I've got a lot of the old vinyl records from Mama's house when Susie and I were cleaning out Mom and Daddy's house after she passed um, uh, during COVID, right when mm-hmm. COVID started. And I was going through her record collection the other mm-hmm. day out at the farm, and I found a Bing Crosby Christmas album. I cannot wait to play that this Christmas. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Bing was one of my favorite. That's that is Christmas. Uh, uh, Johnny Mathis is also Uh Christmas for me. Yeah, Um, it's yeah. Bing, Bing, definitely because of the Christmas specials and everything. Yes, 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 yes. I also got to do years ago. I got to sing "Silver Bells" with Bob Hope. Did you? Yeah, that was a dream come true. I got to do several uh, specials with Bob Hope. What a legend! What a character! I love to watch their old movies, the black and whites. Oh, of course, hysterical. Yeah, that's my absolutely loved it. I think I was born too late because I feel like that was my era. I love that sort of comedy, and I love that sort of I don't know. Just I felt like Hollywood was different then, and um, you know, my style of singing is kind of like the Rat Packs, Frank Sinatra, Uh you know, Dean Martin, those guys. And yeah. I want to have fun on stage and I want to bring you along with me. It's a party yeah. instead of a show, you know? Um, but yeah, Bob Hope, he was one of the people that I would watch as a child and Bing Crosby definitely. And just the, the way that they, they just related to the audience and made you feel part of their family. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Well, are you, you're saying you're going to be returning to the Feinstein's 54 below? Yes. Feinstein's 54 below. It's uh we, I've been doing this show now for the past, this will be my seventh year. Uh, I didn't physically uh, have, well, yes, I did. I physically had a show at Feinstein's last, this past Christmas, but I, we recorded it so we could put it on stream. Uh-huh. And, uh, but I've been now for seven years doing a, sh- a Christmas show there. Um, and every year it's different. Every year we have like, amazing audiences that just, like I said, want to party. We don't necessarily, again, I talk to the audience. You saw me. I talk to the audience. I just, I don't want it to be a concert. I don't want you to, you know, sit back and enjoy. I want you to be engaged. And so that's what this is. Oh, and not that I'm, you know, you were talking about albums. I find I have a vinyl. <laughs> I'll send you one, but okay. this is my, this is my Christmas album that I actually, you know, the songs that I have, done over the years i put on an album and it's it's one of those things where since i love this season i said let me just put a christmas album out because it's my favorite time of year and i it's evergreen you can always play it and uh-huh. you know you hopefully you won't get sick of it so <laughs> cuz you know we're back home now we can go back out and and see a show so that's what's called there's no place like home for the holidays right exactly exactly yeah. okay yeah. perfect yeah perfect yeah. Stay tuned. After the break, we'll be right back with more. Since you and I are both musically inclined, you more than me, I wanted to play a little game with you. Do okay. you like games? I love games, yeah. Me too. Okay, let me ask you this. Did you see the movie Love Actually? I did, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. You know, uh-huh. when they turned the song Love is All Around Us into Christmas is All Around Us? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so that's what this game is going to be like today. Okay, We're going okay. to try 
to Christmasify <laughs> a non-Christmas song okay. that we all know and love. Okay, okay, by that I mean we have to change the lyrics on the spot that you're so good at so that whatever song I say suddenly becomes a Christmas song. Okay. You ready for this? Sure, I hope. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say the title and who it's by, and okay. then you give me a Christmas song like that. All right, here okay. we go. And I Will Always Love You by Dolly Parton. And Christmas is the best day of the year. Oh, yes, Christmas is the best day of the year. <laughs> You are a genius. Oh, stop it. Where Tell does me that more. come from? Tell I me more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man, this could go on forever because I am impressed. All right, here's another one. Okay. You Can't Hurry Love by the Supremes. Okay. You can't hurry Jesus. He's not born yet. He's a man that's come to save your life just on Christmas Day. I don't know. I just love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. You're genius. Okay. Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks. Oh, good God. (laughs) I have friends. (laughs) Wait, is that the melody? Yeah. I've got friends in low places. Okay. Okay. I got presents under the Christmas tree. I got. A lot that's there for me. Oh my gosh, you're so good. How do you write a lot of songs? I you know what? I'm not I don't play an instrument, unfortunately, but I have written poems and I've written lyrics to uh other people's songs. And yeah. uh, you know, nothing's ever been published, but oh it's my just something gosh, Norm. Yeah. Good lands. I'm just gonna send you four or five lines. I'm gonna say go with it. Let's okay. write some songs. Let's do it. You're Listen. a genius. Oh, God bless you. Oh, you're gonna I would love do it. anything to sing with you, too. Oh, that would be another yeah, yeah. Back at you. All right, you're gonna love this one. Okay. Believe by share. If you believe in love after love, love is all about giving to other people. Perfect. Perfect. That fit it. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. How Deep Is Your Love by the Bee Gees? How deep is your wallet? How deep is your wallet to give to the homeless people? You can make a person feel real good, especially at Christmas time. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, this one's, <laughs> this one's even better. Signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours by Stevie Wonder. Sign, sealed, delivered, it's yours. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, God, you were testing my brain, my, my synapses. I don't, they weren't firing as they used to, but it's oh, all I'm good. totally impressed. Okay, the last one. Okay. Fancy by me. Oh, God. Here's your one chance, Fancy, don't let me down. Here's your one chance. Oh, Santa, don't let me down. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, here's a gift from Fancy, don't let me down. Oh, there but you I go. like That's yours better. Put yeah. Santa Claus in there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Norm, thank you so song. much. I love you, that song so thank much. Thank you. Well, I'm looking forward to the Christmas movie that's coming out the night after right. Thanksgiving. How long do you think Chicken and Biscuits, is it a limited time or it's just going to go forever and ever, amen? 
uh, unfortunately, no. Uh, I mean, maybe someone will pick it up and put it to, in a different theater. Right now, we're there until the first week of January. And Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I got to hurry up and get up there and see you. Yeah, please. Please come up. There may be a slight extension, but what happened was during the pandemic, before the pandemic, that that theater was going to house American Buffalo with Lawrence Fishburne and Darren Chris and uh, Sam Rockwell. And so during the pandemic, they knew they had a little, because of scheduling and everything, they had a little empty space. And so they said, oh, we'll put chicken and biscuits in. Uh-huh. So we're in there until American Buffalo does come to Broadway, which will be next year. And then who knows what's going to happen with the show. The show is, it's so good. Maybe someone will move it or maybe it could become a television series. I don't know because Mm -hmm. it is a, it's a funny, funny show. Oh, good. And, uh, you know, after that, I have a few other concerts coming up in Florida, but the one that I'm looking most forward to is March 4th. Not that I'm giving a shameless plug, but come on, March 4th, I will make my Carnegie Hall solo debut. (gasps) Yay. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. March 4th. Everybody yeah. write that and down. You're invited. You're totally invited. And thank you. If you want to sing, you can come and sing with me. Oh, that'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah. That'd be very sweet. Well, good luck on that. Thank you. I'm going to come see you in New York. Okay. And I can't wait for March the 4th in Carnegie Hall. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, thank you for being such a, a gift to this world. I mean, you're probably one of my favorite people just because of what you do for us as audience members, as fans, and you're so sweet and you live up to your status, your iconic status and keep doing what you do. Come back to Broadway and hang out with us again because you are part of our family, our community. Thank you. And I can't wait for our movie, Lifetime, Christmas in Tune, y'all. Watch that movie. It's so much fun. She is giving you drama. She is giving you singing and comedy as well. So yeah, watch the movie. And I'm in it somewhere. I, I, you're, I, oh. you're definitely in it. <laughs> Thanks so much. Absolutely. Take care of yourself. You too. Thanks, Mwah. Norm. <laughs> Thanks so much to our guest today, Norm Lewis. One of the things that was great that Norm reminded us of is that you can make a difference no matter how small the voice. If you've got a gut feeling that you might could make a change for the better in someone's life or even your own, Do like Norm did and go for it. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I had such a wonderful time today. Come back here next week for another episode of Living and Learning. Well, thanks for listening to Living and Learning with Reba McIntyre, a Spotify original production. Our lead producer is Dylan Rupert with producer Baron Farmer. Our executive producers are Gina Delvac, Yossi Salik, Danny Trebatch, and Justin McIntosh. Editing by Cheryl Crosby. Original music by Doug Sizemore. Special thanks to Leah Edwards, Robert Adler, Casey Simonson, and Kyla Canero. I'm your host, Reba McIntyre. Follow us only on Spotify. <laughs>